The reading is from Nehemiah chapters 11 and 12. However, I'm not going to read it all, um, and I'll refer to the verses I'm going to read as we go along. But we're starting on page 496. So first of all, Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. These are the provincial leaders who settled in Jerusalem. Now some Israelites, priests, Levites, temple servants, and descendants of Solomon's servants lived in the towns of Judah, each on their own property in the various towns, while other people from both Judah and Benjamin lived in Jerusalem. From the descendants of Judah... Verse 7, from the descendants of Benjamin. Verse 10, from the priests. Verse 15, from the Levites. Verse 19, the gatekeepers. Achab, Talman and their associates who kept watch at the gates, 172 men. I'm going to read verses 20 to 23 now. The rest of the Israelites, with the priests and Levites, were in all the towns of Judah, each on their ancestral property. The temple servants lived on the hill of Ophel, and Zeir and Gishpah were in charge of them. The chief officer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzu, son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah. Uzi was one of Asaph's descendants who were the singers responsible for the service of the house of God. The singers were under the king's orders, which regulated their daily activity. I'm now going to turn to Nehemiah chapter 12 and read verses 1 to 10. These were the priests and Levites who returned with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and with Jeshua. And going on to verse 7, these were the leaders of the priests and their associates in the days of Jeshua. The Levites were Jeshua, Benui, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Metaniah, who, together with his associates, was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. Bakupiah and Uni, their associates, stood opposite them in the services. Jeshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim, the father of Eliashib, Eliashib, the father of Joadiah, Joadada, the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan, the father of Jadua. And finally, going to verses 25 to 26. Mataniah, Bakpukiah, Obadiah, Meshalem, Talam, and Akub were gatekeepers who guarded the storerooms at the gates. They served in the days of Joachim, son of Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law. This is the word of God.
Thank you, uh, Helen. I did try to get her to read a few more names, but she wasn't willing. <laughs> but she did really well. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Chris, um, our uh, curate's assistant minister, spoke uh, this morning uh, from Romans 12 uh, and asked uh, a really important question. He, he asked the question, what are we, if we are Christians, uh, meant to do? What are we meant to do? And particularly in the face of, uh, of COVID-19 and everything that's going on. And that was a really good, it's a really good question. And I, I'd really encourage you to, to listen to his sermon online and come out in the next few days. Uh, and maybe you're thinking, as you heard uh, Nehemiah uh, 11 and 12 read, it, oh, this won't have much to say to this, this question of what, what am I meant to do? What are we meant to do? Well, um, I think it does have a lot to say. It may not be quite as uh, in the specific ways that this morning's reading did. But let's pray that it would speak to us. God, our Father, we, we do thank you for your, your word to us. And Father, we pray in these, these days, these days that are, are short, that they remind us that our days are short and that we need to turn to you, that we need to trust in you, and we need to seek to do your will. And so, Father, we pray, as we look at this together, we would know what we are meant to do. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if uh, you had lived near, nearer the time of Nehemiah, uh, we might have uh, recognised some of the names here in the lists. And uh, we might have gone, oh, there's so-and-so, and, or that, that name I recognise. But I, I know there's a bit of a social distance, isn't there, for, for us? I, I do remember doing that kind of thing with, and this is a bit sad, but maybe, uh, you, did you go through a phone book when you went to a different place and look up all the, the people under your surname to see? see? <laughs> you, maybe you did that, I did that, see who the fields were. Alan's shaking his head, saying that's sad. Um, to see if there were any fields and there were any scraces. Um, there was tended to be fields, but not very many scraces. Uh, but I think it's quite hard to do that with this, this passage. Sometimes we examine a list like um, these um, to, to look at uh, family trees, don't we? Um, maybe you've done that in research, um, trying to work out whether your great-great-grandparents owned a castle or do you discover that they stole sheep or something like that, or in jail? That's what tends to happen. The reading of lists, what's the, what's the purpose? They do serve a purpose, but we are quite removed um, uh, from this period, separated not only by time, but by geography, by uh, culture. What possible relevance can this have for today, and particularly for a time as we're in now? We know that uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3 says that all Scripture is God-breathing and useful for training in righteousness, for correcting and rebuking. But we also know that not all Scripture is equally applicable, and we see that here. Nehemiah must have thought it was important, and God thinks it's important for us, although it might not seem always obvious um, the fact remains that these lists exist, and they list, exist for our importance. And they do show us, they do remind us three important things. 
They remind us that they show us history. They show us history. Today we let people and lists, I think, and significant events of the past slip a little bit unrecorded in, in a way. Uh, it's interesting that modern churches, if you go in modern churches, they often don't have anything on the walls and like older buildings do with names and, and lists around us. We have some, but if you go in an older church, there's lots of, of names and lists of people. In older churches, the walls seem covered, lists of people. They, and what's happening is they're capturing a sense of history, a, a sense um, of time, a, a record of what's happened and, and who was involved and, and what they did and why they were there. Um, be it, of course, of, of great joy, joyful moments in history where they were celebrating, but yet, of course, there were moments of great wars that were had, weren't there? And lists. And even, even lists of great plagues that happened in history. To remind us, why? Of history, that COVID-19 is not new, is it? If we know our history. So it's to show us history. But secondly, it's to show us, uh, I think it says, the teamwork. Let's remember that Nehemiah was not a one-man band. Very tempting in any position uh, of leadership to think that you are the linchpin in everything and one way to avoid that is to make a list of all the people involved. If, if we were to make a, a list of all the people involved in St. John's I think it would be pretty long. It's a useful exercise to do. It's, it's a way of bearing testimony giving thanks to all those who play a role in the teamwork. So it's to show teamwork. But also it's finally to show everyone to show that everyone is important to God. Everyone, every single one of us is important to God. Whether we know that, and know that who they are or, or not, everyone here tonight is important to God. You are important to God. Every name is significant. This, le- this list of names, in a way, represents, doesn't it, the unsung heroes of the people of God who lo- did loads of different things. All important. The list reminds us that each had their role and to accept that role in which God had placed them. There's a key principle to this, isn't there? The principle is that the lists uh, provide us with a, a kind of striking warning on the one hand to any of us who are tempted to think too highly of our, ourselves and too highly of our role and our, uh, that we matter a lot and yet at the same time, on the other hand, to encourage us, for those of us who are prone to thinking a little too little of ourselves, that we are insignificant, that my role doesn't matter. Do you see, I think the list is there to say all these people, hundreds of them, thousands of them, were important to God. So the lists here show us history, they show us teamwork, they show us um, that everyone is important to God. Now, If you go back to Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse 4, it says, Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it. It was big, but it was empty. There wasn't anybody in it. What use is a big city and a big wall around uh, without anybody to enjoy it? And so that's what 
happened, and that's that we had the building of the wall. And so chapter 11 is picking up from that point. Verse 1 says, Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. Great. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city. So what we have here is the repopulation, the urban renewal of Jerusalem. And for, for some reason, it sounds as if it probably wasn't that popular uh, a proposition for people. Because they had to cast lots to get people to volunteer to go back. Um, perhaps there was a limitation on food supply. Maybe there was a limitation on housing. Sounds so familiar, doesn't it, in a city? We know from other information that the population of Judah was around about 100,000, which meant if they were casting lots, there was about 10,000 people coming into the city. And in this list we discover... What do we discover? Well, we discover the significance of the ordinary people of God. People like you and people like me. The ordinary people of God. And this is really, really important for us to see. These people are listed not because of the kind of dramatic and the spectacular, um, but their rather persistent, uh, uh, faithful doing of the basics. I think often that we're tempted to believe that unless we're doing something amazing or something crazy or that we're doing nothing at all, but of course we're not. Steady, faithful, consistent, committed to the basics, ordinary, everyday events of life. Showing up when you say you will show up, uh, calling someone when you say you will call them, being part of a service regiment when you said you would, it's really important. All those things make the people of God function together. Most of the times, our lives are not peppered with the kind of dramatic going through the Red Sea and you know, all those kind of spectacular miracle-type things. And it strikes me that we're going, if we're going to support our, our community through this period of covid 19, then we've got to do actually the basic, ordinary things of life and service. In the routine, we must get on with loving God and loving neighbour. That's the basic. We prayed it earlier in our, in our confession. Now, if we move along the, the list uh, of people here that are mentioned, um, and just imagine as we go along that you, uh, we, we were sort of asking them, what were you doing in this city? What, what were you doing? You can imagine we stopped every so often and asked a few of them, what were you doing? You know, and maybe you could picture that for us as a church. What were you doing um, at that time? And, and I think there are, there are six replies that come across in this, this passage. What were you doing? Six replies. Number one, what were you doing? Answer, I was living in Jerusalem. This is, is, is as technical as that. <laughs> verse, verse two, the people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. What were they commended for doing? They were just commended, weren't they, for showing up, for living there, just for showing up. Just by being the people of God, it was really important. 
Just showing up as the community is a real encouragement to others. It wasn't if these people had just gone away and, and not bothered showing up. They did. They, they, they showed up. If you were there, if imagine you uh, weren't in your seat where you're sat now. Of course you are, but imagine you weren't in your seat there, in your space. There would be a space, there would be a gap, wouldn't there? Uh, and... Um, the reality is that, that some are not here, isn't it? It's true, some are not here for, for whatever reason. Some are worried about COVID-19, and so there's a, there's a space. Others aren't here because of various other reasons. Others are not here because they've what, wandered away. They haven't shown up. God works in God's way, and he requires his people to show up in the ordinary to maintain life. It may mean showing up uh, in order to visit some of those people who are concerned and worried about what's about to happen or what is happening. What were you doing? They were, first of all, they were living there. But secondly, why were you, why are you there? What were you doing? Secondly, they were working. It's getting even more technical, isn't it? They were working. Uh, They were working in the temple, verse 10. The priests and their associates who carried on work for the temple. 822 men, 822. In a group that size, you're not going to exactly stick out, are you, in 822? Just one cog in 822. Each one with a a sense of belonging and and a purpose and a commitment to keep the thing going, to whether it was a big or small part that they played, or whether it was an upfront or a back office, whether it was fetching wood for the sacrifices, or whether it was actually doing the sacrifices in the temple and carrying them out. These people worked together to maintain the, the temple worship, the spiritual work of the people of God. What were you doing? You, we, we were working there. You have a job. We, we have jobs. We are Serving God and worshipping him in the places that God has called us to be. Why, are you, why were you there? You were working. We were living, you were working. Verse, um, thirdly, what were you doing? Serving. Verse 16. Shabbatai and Jozabad, two of the heads of the Levites who had, who had charge of the outside work of the house of God. The outside work. They were serving it doesn't sound, perhaps, to us like a big, a big deal. But it is a big deal, isn't it? Just think about the maintenance required for the temple. Just think of the maintenance required for the outside and the inner court, and the different courts and the different aspects of it. You've got a property report today. Those things are really important. Every building requires repairs, uh, groundwork, Gardening to keep it going. And we have gardeners who serve us and, and do the work around this building. If we didn't have those people do, we wouldn't have the access around the side for people in wheelchairs and for, for buggies. It is a big deal. Of course, what we tend to do, isn't it? and we all do this, we tend to devalue the significance of these things 
We assume that these things, because they're not public or visible, that they don't matter as much. Uh, Paul picks this idea up uh, in his first letter to Corinthians, to the church in Corinth. In chapter 12, he reminds us that it's the unpresentable parts of the body that are most significant. The really important parts of the body are not on public display, isn't it? The mind, you can't see the brain, the inner workings of the brain, but that's got to be one of the most important things, the heart, um, the function of that. But it's, it's unseen, not on public display. Like our hearts, our lungs, our brains, those really important functions are unseen. And suppose that's the question, isn't it, for us in service? Are you prepared to be totally unseen for the kingdom of God? Are you prepared to be unseen? Are you prepared to serve in a certain way that no one knows about it and no one sees it? No one knows your name. No one knows, uh, and perhaps no one is particularly worried about it. But you're doing it for the sake of God and for his kingdom. You see, there are some uh, lists. There are some plaques of people who did certain things for God. But the truth is, isn't there? There's no plaque for, for the people who faithfully serve tea and coffee week in and week out. Or the people who visit the sick, who do it without people noticing. There's no plaque for the, uh, those who stick bog rolls in the toilets. But people do that, and it's really important, as everyone seems to be going mad about bog rolls at the moment. <laughs> few know, and few see, or care. But what matters is being on God's list and being involved in service and serving him faithfully. So I I was there, I was living there, I was working there and I was serving there. But fourthly, what were you doing in this list? I was praying. Verse 17. Mathaniah, son of Milcah, son of Zabdi, son of Asaph, the director who lead the thanksgiving and prayer. They're encouraging people to come uh, before God in prayer, and they were doing, leading the prayers for the people and encouraging people to come to prayer. So if you had a problem or a burden, um, you needed encouragement in that, you could go and get prayer for it. Isn't it, I think it's, I often think about this, it's quite staggering, isn't it, to think just how important um, prayer is and the prayer life of a church that is sustaining us and sustaining you. I mean, did you know, maybe you don't know, that there is a, an intercessory group that meet every Thursday morning to pray for the needs of this church and to pray for the needs of the nation and the world. Every Thursday they meet to pray. I'm so grateful for those people. I think it's one of the most important ministries that goes on in this church. Most of us perhaps don't even know that it's going on, unaware, but it is happening and it's vital for the growth of the church. God knows who those people are. They're on the list serving in that way. Fifthly, what were you doing? The answer might come back, I was watching. I was watching. Verse 19, the gatekeepers, Akub, 
Talmon and their associates who kept watch at the gates, 172 men. Sounds like a cushy job, doesn't it? Just standing there watching what was going on. But it wasn't a a cushy job. You you had to be alert, you had to be aware um, uh, of the external threats that might come. And yes, of course, there was the they were gatekeepers, so they had to look after the dung gate as well. Uh, you know, they had to look after that gate. Uh, and that reminds me that um, someone has to also clean the toilets. Someone has to not only put the toilet rolls in, but also clean the toilets. Chapter 12, verse 25, at the end of the reading, picks it up again, tells us that they had to look after the supplies. Mathaniah, Bakubukaya, Abadiah, Mashalom, Talmon, and Akub were gatekeepers who guarded the storerooms at the gates. No doubt watching the loo rolls didn't get nicked. (laughs) (laughs) So they were watching. Finally, number six, what were you doing there? I was singing, verse 22. The chief officer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, son of Bani, the son of Hashbadiah, the son of Mathaniah, the son of Milcah. Uzi was one of Asaph's descendants who were the musicians or the singers responsible for the service of the house of God. The singers were under the uh, command of the king. And these were the great, 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 however many great Um, grandchildren of King David, who, of course, was the singer, a boy who wrote most of the the psalms. And that singing had cascaded down through the generations, after generation, and they were still singing hundreds of um, years later to the glory of God and leading God's people in it. And if you go to chapter 12, verse 8, it says that the Levites were Jeshu, Binu, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mathaniah, who, together with his associates, was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. Bak, Bukaya, and Uni. They're just such great names, aren't they? Uh, their associates stood opposite them in the services. What did you do in, uh, in the service of the, of the people of God? Oh, we stood opposite the people who were singing. And, well, what a great task. Um, but it's a bit more than that. They, they stood opposite, facing uh, each other, and uh, they were singing responsorily. Antiphonally is the posh word, if you like that sort of thing. One would start a, a song off, and the others would, would respond to it, and you would get this ding dong of music. So, um, God is good, His love endures forever. Great is God's faithfulness, His love endures forever. And, and maybe, you know, it's a very Anglican thing. Oh, we are an Anglican church. Uh, you know, maybe we should do that from time to time. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but that's what they were doing. That's, that's what they were there. They were singing. So what were you doing? What are we going to do? I lived there. I worked there. I served there. I prayed there. I watched there. I sang there. Notice as well in these lists, no one is described in terms of their personality. Very interesting, isn't it? No one's described in terms of personality. Oh, Uni, he sang with style and flair. You don't get that. Or good old Talmon, the, 
watched the storeroom with dynamism and swagger. (laughs) You don't get that personality stuff, do you? None of that. No one is is described uh, in terms of personality, and yet, of course, we live in a very personality-driven world, and that so affects us. Personality seem more important than, than wisdom and faithfulness and self-control and, and patience and godliness and all those fruits of the Spirit. It wasn't their personality and it wasn't therefore their faces or their image, was it? Um, we don't know whether they were, had long hair or short hair or brown eyes or blue eyes or whether they were fat or thin or short or tall. I don't know. Is that short? I went the wrong way, didn't I? Short... You know what I mean. Um, Who knows? It's not in the list. It doesn't say, oh, Bunai, the little short man, does it? It doesn't say that. It's an irrelevance. Absolute irrelevance. Because all those things are superficial. They're just appearances. It doesn't matter. And yet these things are, are the things that we spend so much time on, isn't it? The relevance here was not their Facebook page or their Instagram but their function, it was what they did for God. Do you have someone, um, I don't know, you may have had this experience, do you have that someone where um, they're no longer with us, a friend, a relative um, who's died and a while ago, and you can't actually remember what they look like, can you, can you, you've probably experienced that. Um, it, somebody who's no longer with us, who, but you can't remember what they look like. But if I was asked you, what were they like? I bet you could remember them. Oh, they were, they were prayerful. Oh, I really enjoyed the way they laughed and, and they smiled and they, and the way that they acted and the things that they did. You'd remember that, wouldn't you? Because you do remember that more than the face. See, it doesn't matter if we can't remember a face, because that's irrelevant compared to how people touch our lives. I uh, can't recall my first Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Watling, when I was five. I can't, remember, I can't recall uh, my second uh, Sunday school teacher, or even my third Sunday school teacher, and that takes me up to about 11, so I wasn't really good at remembering. Um, I can't remember what they looked like at all. But I know that they taught me. They taught me the Bible, and they taught me about Jesus. And I, I, they taught me that Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me. Because of the function they performed many years ago, I was brought to faith in Jesus Christ. The issue with the list isn't that they were famous, They looked a particular way, but they were faithful in the role that God had called them to perform. Let's us be concerned with that. It's not about fame, it's not about personality, and it's neither about power either. Very interesting, isn't it, at the end of Luke chapter 10, when Jesus uh, uh, is talking to the disciples, and he says this, he says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. He's saying, I've given you great power. But he says this, however, 
Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That's the thing to bear in mind. Your name is written in heaven. That's the ultimate list that matters. The only list, really, that matters. So what are we going to do as Christians? Trusting in the Lord Jesus, faced with the difficulties of our time, with COVID-19. Well, may I suggest that we keep doing some of these, what I call, ordinary functions of discipleship. Faithful things of loving God and loving our neighbour. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this picture that you've given us from your word about the people of God um, serving um, you and serving their neighbours. And Father, we, we pray that we would capture that same vision of faithfully seeking to serve you wherever you've uh, called us and to whatever it is, whether it's seen or unseen, we pray that we'd be doing it for you. And keep us mindful of the list that really matters, your list that's written in heaven. Uh, Father, please help us in these times which are difficult, these times which are short, that we would turn to you to seek to love you and to love our neighbours. Because you first loved us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.